the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Him. The following program is sponsored by Church of the Redeemer in Gatorsburg, Maryland. Welcome to Practical Living with Dale O'Shield, Senior Pastor of Church of the Redeemer in Maryland. We pray that through this message, you will learn how to apply God's Word and truth to your life. Stay with us as we discover God's truths that will transform us. Let me read you some statistics that have been found recently about the issue of social disconnection, isolation, and loneliness. Researchers have discovered that loneliness can have serious medical consequences. Studies have linked loneliness to heart disease, cancer, depression, diabetes, and suicide. A former United States Surgeon General has written that loneliness and social isolation are associated with a reduction in lifespan similar to that caused by smoking 15 cigarettes a day and even greater than that associated with obesity. That's how serious it is. In fact, in January of 2018, the Prime Minister of Britain, Theresa May, made a declaration and established an official position in the government called the Minister for Loneliness. It's incredible to think about. We live in family units today that are many times far removed from extended family, sometimes families living across the country from one another, sometimes around the world from each other. We have this growing reliance on social technology that is actually robbing people of face-to-face interaction. In fact, it's amazing even when you see people sometimes in the same room, instead of talking to each other, they're texting one another. And that's why I'm talking to us about relationships, because the Bible is a relationship book. The Bible teaches us the importance, the value of moving from a me life to a we life. This principle of moving from a me life to a we life is actually found in the very first book of the Bible, the book of Genesis. In the first two chapters, you see God moving mankind from the me life to the we life. Let me take you to Genesis chapter 1 verse 31. After God has created all that he created, he looked around at the world he's created, the man he created, and the Bible says God saw all that he had made, and what was it? It was very good. God looked at everything he created and said it is good. But something interesting happens when you go to the very next chapter in Genesis chapter 2, verse number 18, the Bible says God said it is not good for the man to be alone. I will make a helper suitable for him. When God made the world, he said, everything's good. But then man, as he sees man in operation, says it's not good for the man to be alone. This man, Adam, is living a me life. He needs a we life. He needs someone else in his world. We see in chapter 2, verses 19 through 25, God solving this problem, God creating the we for Adam Now the Lord God had formed out of the ground all the wild animals and all the birds in the sky. He brought them to the man to see what he would name them. And whatever the man called each living creature, that was its name. So the man gave names to all the livestock, the birds in the sky, and all the wild animals. But for Adam, no suitable helper was found. 
So the Lord God caused the man to fall into a deep sleep, and while he was sleeping, he took one of the man's ribs and then closed up the place with flesh. Then the Lord God made a woman from the rib he had taken out of the man, and he brought her to the man. The man said, This is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman, for she was taken out of man. That is why a man leaves his father and mother and is united to his wife, and they became one flesh. Adam and his wife were both naked, and they felt no shame. What I want you to see is that what God said was not good, he remedied by relationship. It's not good to be alone, but he remedied the problem with relationship. Adam was stuck in a me life. God's plan for Adam was a we life. And I will tell you today that God's plan for your life is not a me life. God's plan for your life is a we life as well. I'm going to talk to you today about some foundational principles that will allow you to get started in this journey toward a we life. And it's foundational. What I will share with you today really is establishing the beginning point of this journey. There are four facts I want to share with you that establish a foundation upon which every other relationship in your life needs to be established. I'm going to share with you four facts that form this foundation. The first fact is this. You and I must accept this and realize this, understand it, and, and seek the answer to it, that there is a hole in your soul that only God can fill. And what's aching inside of you and me today is, is an ache, a hole in our soul that only God can fill. And many times we're trying to fill up that hole in our soul with people, and it will never, ever satisfy us. I think about Jesus when he was on the earth. When Jesus was living among us over 2,000 years ago, he came to the world as fully God and fully man. This is important to understand. In his humanity, Jesus had moments of sorrow where he would share tears and shed tears. And he had moments when I believe he had, had laughter with his disciples and, and levity with his disciples. And there were moments when Jesus, as a man, felt hungry and times that he felt thirst. He was a human being just like we are, fully God but also fully man. And in his humanity, what we see in Jesus is we see him nurturing, connecting in his relationship with God. What sustained Jesus while he was on the earth was his ongoing connection with his Father. Let me give you a few examples of this in the Bible. Matthew chapter 3, verses 16 and 17. As soon as Jesus was baptized, he went up out of the water. At that moment, heaven was opened, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting on him. And a voice from heaven said, This is my Son, whom I love with him I am well pleased. See, the love that Jesus needed first and foremost was not the love of his apostles or disciples. He needed the love of his Father. And I want to tell you that that's the love that you're looking for in your life. That is the hole in your soul that only God can fill. John chapter 5, verse number 19, Jesus made this statement very truly. I tell you, the Son can do nothing by himself. He can only do what he sees the Father doing, because whatever the Father does, the Son also does. Talking about the amazing, deep connection that Jesus had with his Father. 
We see in Mark chapter 1, verse 35, this daily commitment to relationship with his father. The Bible says very early in the morning while it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house, and went off to a solitary place where he did what? He prayed. Why did he pray? Because he wanted to nurture his relationship with God. I will tell you and submit to you this morning, if Jesus needed, if Jesus sought, if Jesus worked to stay connected with his heavenly father, how much more should we? We need. God in our lives. There's a story that we find in John chapter 4 that I want to draw to your attention because it gives an example of a lady who was looking to fill a hole in her soul with relationships that would not satisfy her, and Jesus brought to her attention the deepest need of her life. The story is found again in John chapter 4, beginning in verse number 3. I'm going to read down through several verses. I'm not sure exactly where I'll stop, but I'll read the whole story. It's found through verse 26, but I'll read to lay the story out for you. I'm reading from the Passion Translation. Jesus heard what was being said and abruptly left Judea and returned to the province of Galilee. And he had to pass through Samaritan territory. So between Judea and Galilee, there was this territory called Samaria. And so to get to the north from the south... You had to obviously travel through that territory or bypass it, which many Jews would do because the Jews did not get along with the Samaritans or the Samaritans with the Jews. But the Bible says that Jesus made a a very clear decision that he was going to go through Samaria. I believe the reason that he did so is because of what happens in this story. He knew that there was someone there that needed him. So let's continue on with the story. Jesus arrived at the Samaritan village of Sychar near the field that Jacob had given to his son Joseph long ago. Wearied by his long journey, he sat on the edge of Jacob's well. He sent his disciples into the village to buy food, for it was already afternoon. Soon a Samaritan woman came to draw water. Jesus said to her, Give me a drink of water. Surprised, she said, Why would a Jewish man ask a Samaritan woman for a drink of water? Jesus replied, Here's a key statement. If you only knew who I am, obviously the Messiah, and the gift that God wants to give you, You'd ask me for a drink, and I would give to you what kind of water? Living water. So stop there for a moment. Here's a lady. Jesus is sitting by the well. He's taking a moment to rest. And a lady, a Samaritan woman, comes up beside him. And Jesus says, give me a drink of water. And they go into this conversation about water. And then finally, Jesus said, if you really knew who I was, if you understood who I am, you'd be asking for something that could satisfy you at a deeper level than you've ever been satisfied, not just natural water. I have water to give you that is living water. Verse 11, the woman replied, but sir, you don't even have a bucket and this well is very deep. So why do you, where do you find this living water? Of course, she's not understanding what's going on here. Do you really think that you are greater than our ancestor Jacob who dug this well and drank from it himself along with his children and livestock? Jesus answered, notice again, if you drink from Jacob's well, what will happen? You will be thirsty. How how much? If you drink from the wrong well, you're going to stay thirsty. You keep drinking from a well that you think is going to satisfy you. And I will tell you, you keep drinking from the wrong well, you're never going to be satisfied. He said, if you drink from Jacob's well, you'll be thirsty again and again. But if anyone drinks the living water I give them, they will never thirst again and will be forever satisfied. I love this. Jesus said, if you could just tap into the water that I want to give you, you can find the fulfillment, the thing that will satisfy you, not just for your life, but for eternity. It's living water. And he goes on to say, for when you drink the water I give you, it becomes a gushing fountain of 
the Holy Spirit springing up and flooding you with endless life. The woman replied, let me drink that water so I'll never be thirsty again and won't have to come back here to draw water. Now, I want you to notice something. What have they been talking about to this point? Water, okay? Natural water, living water. Now, notice what happens here. Jesus now shifts the conversation from water to something they haven't even talked about yet. Notice now in verse 16, Jesus said, go get your husband and bring him back here. But I'm not married, the woman answered. That's true, Jesus said, for you've been married five times and you're now living with a man who's not your husband. You have told the truth. And she goes on to say, well, you must be a prophet. Here's what I want you to see here. And I'm going to stop reading at that point. You can read the rest of it on your own this afternoon or this week. Tremendous story. She goes on to experience relationship with Christ, lead her old village to Christ. It's an amazing story. But here's what I want you to see. What have they been talking about at the well? Water. And Jesus said, if you knew who I was, if you understood, really understood who I was, you'd be asking me for water that would satisfy you forever. And she doesn't quite get it. So Jesus turns the corner and says, go get your husband. The reason that Jesus asked her to go get her husband, he knew that she didn't have a husband. She knew, he knew that she'd been married five times. He knew that she had spent her entire adult life trying to satisfy the longing in her soul with man after man after man after man after man. Five marriages to the point that she got to the place she didn't want, she did not want to commit to anybody else because she'd been so hurt and broken in her life. And Jesus was saying, none of that will ever satisfy you. I'm the only one that can satisfy you. Okay. Dear ones, understand something. There's a hole in your soul that only God can fill. The second fact that I want to give you today, very important as well. There's help that you need that only God can provide. Part of what you and I look for in relationships is we look for help. God made Eve as a helpmate, a helper for Adam and Adam to Eve. Many times in life, we find help through human relationships. That's true. But there's some people, some things that people can't help you with. There's some things that you'll find yourself in in life that you can't get help that you need from another person because you need help that goes beyond what a human being can do for you. You need the help of someone that can truly help you, capital H, not lowercase h, helper, but capital letter H, the helper, the only one that can provide for you the assistance that you need to help you when you can't get through things alone. You can't get through things with people. You need something that is supernatural beyond your supernatural help from God. Notice the scripture here in Psalm chapter 18. I'm going to start in verse number six. It's an amazing passage. I love this passage because it shows God responding to people when we cry out to him for help. In my distress, notice this, I call to who? The Lord. I cried to my God for help. Now, I want you to notice what God did when the psalmist called to him for help. This is going to encourage someone here today. For his, from his temple, he heard my voice. My cry came before him into his ears. So we cry to God. When we cry to him for help, he hears our voice. And then verse seven says, the earth trembled and quaked and the foundations of the mountain shook. They trembled because he was angry. Smoke rose from his nostrils, consuming fire came from his mouth, burning coals blazed out of it. He parted the heavens and he came down. 
dark clouds were under his feet. He mounted the cherubim and flew. He soared on the wings of the wind. He made darkness as covering his canopy around him, the dark rain clouds of the sky. Out of the brightness of his presence, of his presence clouds advanced with hailstones and bolts of lightning. The Lord thundered from heaven. The voice of the Most High resounded. He shot his arrows and scattered the enemy with great bolts of lightning. He routed them. Now, don't you want somebody like that on your side, okay? So here you are in distress in life, and you don't know what you're going to do, and people are not able to help you. There's a God that can help you. There's help that only God can provide for you. Sometimes people can help you, but you're going to get yourself in situations where only God can help you. Psalm 18, 29, with your help, I can advance against a troop. With my God, I can scale a wall. Psalm 30, verse 2, Lord, my God, I call to you for help. You healed me. Psalm 121, 1 and 2, I lift up my eyes to the mountains. Where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord, maker of heaven and earth. Paul talks about this in 1 Thessalonians 2. 2, we had previously suffered and been treated outrageously in Philippi, as you know, but with the help of our God, we dare to tell you his gospel in the face of strong opposition. Paul says we found the help of God. Hebrews 2, verse 18, speaking of Jesus, because he, Jesus himself, suffered when he was tempted, he is able to help those who are being tempted. And Hebrews 4, 16, let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in time and our time of need. We need the help of God before we need the help of anyone else. Third fact that I want you to remember this morning as we're laying a foundation for this series together, there's insight and wisdom that only God can give. Your own insights, your own wisdom is limited. The wisdom and the insights of other people limited as well. I often tell people, or I like to remind myself of this certainly, that if you're going to see better, you got to go higher. If you want to see more clearly, you got to go higher. If you want to see what's on the horizon, get on the top of a mountain because then you can see a lot further. And any time that you and I want to see better, more clearly, we've got to go up higher. We've got to tune ourselves up with God. We've got to rise above the clouds to see the sunlight of God's wisdom and God's grace. You need a source of insight and wisdom that is beyond yourself and beyond other people. While people are great and wonderful, you need something that will give you that which is beyond people. In Psalm chapter 111, verse 10, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. What is the beginning of wisdom? Not relationship with people, but the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. All who follow his precepts have good understanding. To him belongs eternal praise. Proverbs 2, 6, for the Lord gives wisdom. From his mouth come knowledge and understanding. James chapter 1, verse 5, if any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask your neighbor. Is that what it says? No, you should ask God who gives generously to all without finding fault and it will be given to you. We need the wisdom and insight of God so that we understand the difference between right and wrong because only God truly knows what is right and what is wrong and what is better and what is best. Only God can give you the wisdom that you need about yourself. Only God can give you the wisdom that you need about the relationships in your life. Only God can give you the wisdom that you need about the decisions that you're making with your life. You need wisdom that goes beyond human wisdom. And I will tell you with this, you tell you this, that you need a relationship with God that gives you access to wisdom and insight. And the last fact that I want to give you this morning to remember is this. There are destructive patterns in your life that only God can change. 
You need a relationship with God because you and I have personal problems. We have personal issues. We have personal brokenness. We have personal sin that we can't fix ourselves and that no one else can fix. And there's stuff going on in you and me that only God can change. Let me tell you a story from the Bible. We're going to read a little bit of it in just a moment from John chapter 3. It's a story of a man who was one of the nicest men you would have ever met during Jesus' time. He was a very religious guy. He was well-respected. Most of people, when they heard his name, would have said they would have given him high recommendations as a very moral person, a man of integrity, a man of great quality. He was part of the religious Sanhedrin of his day. And the Bible says at one time, Jesus, this man came to Jesus at nighttime. His name was Nicodemus. And he begins to inquire of Jesus about certain things. And Jesus turns the whole conversation on this very nice man. And in essence, he says to Nicodemus, Nicodemus, let me tell you, before we go any further in this conversation, you've got a problem. You need to be born again. There's a problem down inside of you. You don't even see about yourself. Oh, you're nice, yes, but you still have a sinful heart. You need to be born again. And Nicodemus said, well, I don't understand. I'm paraphrasing here, by the way. Jesus, what do you mean being born again? How can an old man get born again? I can't go back in my mother's womb and be born again. What are you talking about? And Jesus responded with these words in John chapter 3, verses 6 and 7. For the natural realm can only give birth to things that are natural, but the spiritual realm gives birth to the supernatural life. You shouldn't be amazed by my statement, Jesus said. You must be born from above. Dear ones, let me tell you something. The beginning journey, your beginning journey with God working on you starts with you having a personal relationship with God. In every one of us, we start that relationship with God by being born again. You've heard the phrase, born-again Christian. It's thrown around lots of different ways, but it's actually a biblical term. It's something that Jesus used. And I don't, wanna, I don't want that term to get negated by some concept we have in our mind about what it means. But to be born again means that we were dead in our trespasses and sins. We were broken on the inside. We we're sinful. We come to Christ. We acknowledge that he died on the cross for our sins. And he rose from the grave on that third day that he's the living Savior. We invite him to come into our lives and take charge of our lives. And when he does that, he... He breathes His life into us, and we come alive on the inside. We come to this place where Jesus is living inside of us, and He changes us from the inside out. We're born of the Spirit. And so there's this moment that Jesus has this conversation with Nicodemus, and there's this interaction which ultimately leads to a verse of Scripture as He's talking with Nicodemus that everybody here is familiar with. John 3, 16, For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. Nicodemus, that's what you need to do. And if you've never made that choice, I want to encourage you to let today be your day as the Holy Spirit is drawing you to say, this is my day to begin my relationship with Christ. Take a look at what happens when we do this. Romans 3, 23 and 24. For, all, for we all have sinned and are in need of the glory of God. Yet through his powerful declaration of acquittal, God freely gives away his righteousness. His gift of love and favor now cascades over us, all because of Jesus, the anointed one, has liberated us from the guilt 
punishment and power of sin. That moment that you invite Christ into your life or you renew your relationship with Christ, there's this liberation that comes to us, liberated from guilt and punishment and the power of sin. Romans 8, 1 and 2, the Passion Translation. So now the case is closed. There remains no accusing voice of condemnation against those who are joined in life union with Jesus, the Anointed One. For the law of the Spirit of life flowing through the anointing of Jesus has liberated us from the law of sin and death. There's only one, one, one that can liberate you from the law of sin and death, and that's Jesus himself. 2 Corinthians 5, 17, Living Bible says, when someone becomes a Christian, let me stop there for a moment. I want to remind you this morning that being a Christian is not a religion. The word Christian means Christ follower. That's what it means. The word Christian identifies us not with a religion. It's a relationship word. We're in a relationship series from me to we. And the first me to we is not me to your spouse, me to your children. Your first me to we is you with God, you and your relationship with God. And so when someone becomes a Christian, someone becomes a Christ follower, someone comes into relationship with Christ, he becomes a brand new person inside. He's not the same anymore. A new life has begun. Unhealthy people can't create healthy relationships. Are you with me? And so I need to let Jesus begin to save me and change me and work in me and create health in me so that in every other interaction of my life, I'm bringing more and more health to my marriage, to my friendships, to my children, to my grandchildren, that I'm imparting health because health is happening to me as I'm growing in relationship with Christ. Perhaps as you have been listening to today's broadcast, you felt a stirring in your heart, something that reminded you that you need to get something right in your life with God. The first way to start in that journey with God is to open your heart to Jesus Christ, to make Him the Lord of your life, to turn over all your life to Him. And that begins with a very simple prayer. I want to lead you in that prayer right now, and it's a prayer that you can pray right where you are. Say these words, Jesus, I invite you into my life today to forgive me of all my sins. I need you. I want you. I want you to take charge of my life. Be my Lord and Savior in Jesus' name. Now, if you just prayed that prayer with me, I want to encourage you with a promise from God's Word that says, when we call on God's name, when we call on the name of His Son, Jesus, there is salvation that is brought to our lives. He changes us from the inside out. And the Bible says that if any person is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things pass away. Behold, all things become new. And that's what's happened to you today as you've opened your heart to Christ. Let me encourage you. You need to take the next step. The next step is to make sure that you get into a good Bible-believing church where you're studying God's Word. And make sure you get a copy of God's Word and begin to read it. Spend some time each day in prayer. You've been listening to the teaching ministry of Practical Living with Dale O'Shield, Senior Pastor of Church of the Redeemer in Maryland. If you would like more information, please visit our website at church-redeemer.org. May God bless you and make you a blessing. Hello, I'm Mike Lindell, the inventor of my pill. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn. Flynn. 
deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.